Welcome back to episode 14 of the Around the Boards podcast. I think it's episode 14. I think so, too. Kind of lost, uh, <laughs> kind of lost track of what it is now. We'll you're, find out. You're home for all things hockey here in Southern Nevada, presented by the UNLV Rebel Report. I'm Matt. Obviously, he's Dom. Dom, how are you doing this morning? I'm a little cold, but, you know, other than that, like, I think hockey should warm me up a bit. How about it you? Is, it, is, uh, it is freezing outside, but I don't have much to complain about right now. Tom Brady's reign of terror has ended over the NFL. and as a Patriots fan. And uh, USC got their QB1, so uh, <laughs> I'm kind of on cloud nine right now. But uh, we're not here to talk about football. We're here to talk about uh, some hockey. And so uh, let's start with some VGK. Dom, you wrote the article. Take us away with the news about the new contracts. Oh, so um, Vegas on Sunday re-signed Braden McNabb, Michael Amadio, and Logan Thompson to multi-year contract extensions. And that's huge for the team. It's huge for the team in the sense that they locked up their, I guess, only true defensive defenseman in Braden McNabb, who can still put up points, but he's been really quietly doing his job all season. He has, I believe, nine points through the first half of the year heading into the All-Star break. He's uh, Last I checked, he was leading the league in blocked shots, and he's just really the only, like I said, defensive defenseman on the roster because... He's the only guy you see in that whole defensive core throwing the body around. You don't see Shea Theodore throwing big hits. You don't see Zach Whitecloud throwing big hits that often. You don't see Nick Haig throwing big hits. So he's really like that battering ram on the blue line and really kind of helps bring that physicality. And then moving on to Michael Amadio, we picked him up off of waivers earlier in the season from, um, I believe, Toronto. It was Montreal, I think. It was one of those two. It was one of the Canadian teams, yeah. And... He has been a really good bottom six depth piece all season. I've been really happy with his performance. Um, I talked on uh, the nightcap with Lindsey Brown at over at uh, 1140 The Bet, a uh, little plug there, um, about this signing. And she pointed out that the Golden Knights really bring in bottom six talent and they all succeed very early. So you look at Michael Amadio, he got rewarded with a contract extension at a pretty good, pretty good rate. It was around like the... $760,000 a year mark. Yeah. So that's really, really good um, for his production. He's been playing really well. He's on the verge of a career year. And then you look at Brett Howden, who just came in this year. We talked in earlier episodes on the show um, about how he's probably going to be that bottom six piece. And he's been that bottom six piece that's been producing. Um, and then kind of moving on to, I think, probably everyone's favorite signing out of this whole situation was Logan Thompson being locked up for three years. Yeah. So he's definitely the goaltender of the future in many people's eyes, and him being locked up for the next three years at a very, very good rate with how good he is. Yeah. For only $700,000 for how good he's been. And that one start against Nashville, granted it was a loss, but he didn't look that bad. He won goaltender of the year last year in the AHL. No, he's the been the team like, in front of him just looked terrible. Yeah, he's been backstopping the Silver Knights for the past couple years. And with Leonard's contract expiring soon and Brassois' contract expiring soon, within that window of Thompson's tenure, in my opinion, I don't know if you agree with me, Matt, but in my opinion, I feel like that window there is going to allow Thompson to come up and get more NHL reps to see if he can get a backup role and take that role from Brassois and use Brassois as trade bait, or if he blossoms really quickly, trade away Leonard before but, his contract expires. I kind of feel more likely about the first one. 
um, that he's going to end up coming up and either next season, season after, something like that, he's going to take the backup job. Yes, Brossois is a great backup goalie. Mm-hmm. We understand that, but this team is strapped for cap space right now. Yeah. And there's a pretty big difference between Brossois' cap hit and Thompson's back cap yeah. hit. I believe it's a well over a million dollar difference, mm-hmm. which if you're a team that has $10, 15000000 million in cap space, that's fine. But when you have about ten thousand dollars in cap yeah. space <laughs> uh that's a pretty big difference so yeah 100%. We, listen I, i've made my piece about logan thompson from the start of the year i i love the guy he's got a great story mm-hmm. he absolutely deserves the contract that he got um he's gonna be a pretty usable piece at least in my eyes moving forward as well um i really like the michael amadio deal though mm-hmm. um i think that's the biggest one of the three yes obviously Braden mcnab's the traditional nhl player but Amadio is I mean he's got he's got a wicked shot man. Yeah. I mean I believe it was that game against Dallas that one time where he fired from the from the uh the left circle. Yeah, it was it was pretty nice. <laughs> Unreal. I'm not going to try to compare him to anybody, but uh yeah, it was it was a really <laughs> nice shot. Um having a uh, spoil of riches in the bottom 6 is never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um it's going to make for some interesting lineup decisions coming up because Obviously, Chandler Stevenson's out right now, mm-hmm. so you have Nolan Patrick, for some reason, playing on the first line right now. All right, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I I don't – like, talking about more of the bottom six stuff, I don't know how you take Brett Howden out of the lineup right now. I, I really don't. And there's there's guys, again, who I've made my case about, uh, probably should be taken out of the lineup in favor of him and probably Amadio as well. I mean, but we'll, we'll see how it shakes out moving forward. Um, Chandler Stevenson will probably be back pretty soon, but that kind of moves us into the next topic. Talking about some injury updates, the team's finally getting healthy for the most part. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just when it looked like things were getting back to normal, both uh, Nick Haig and Zach Whitecloud are out now with undisclosed injuries because this team never tells you what the injuries actually Very are. secretive. Absolutely one of my least favorite things about hockey is the fact that they never tell what the injuries are. Mm-hmm. I mean, sucks. I get it. I get it. Back in the '80s, people would go after people that were coming back from injuries. That doesn't happen anymore. I, I don't care what anybody says. It's it's ridiculous that they don't tell. I'm not going to go on a soapbox about this right now. <laughs> we're just going to say that that's it. Um, Martinez looks like he's trending and coming back soon after missing. I believe that was his 31st game that he missed last night. Yeah, he's missed a good chunk of time. Yeah, uh, that, that you you've seen that scar. Yeah, that it's was, gnarly. That like, was a gnarly. If it was a few inches higher, like he's his playing he, career might have been done. If yeah, if it was probably about an inch higher, he probably loses his eye. Yeah. So, whew, scary I, stuff. Yeah, ho- hockey skates are sharp. That's the uh, that's the easy way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, like we said though, the team's getting healthier. It's finally Jack Eichel's trending towards coming back soon. We're not going to go on soapboxes about who's going to get traded and whatnot. That's not what we're here to do today. Um, but we are going to take a look back at the road trip and then the Buffalo series that happened uh, Tuesday night. At the time this is going to come out, it'll probably be Friday, so a couple of days ago. Um, road trip was a success. 100%. Five out of eight points against the four best teams in the league. I'll take it. Yeah, that, there's there's no other way to put it. it. It was an absolute success. Leonard gets his first shutout against mm-hmm. uh, Washington. They lose in overtime against Carolina, which, again, that was a game they probably never should have gotten that game to overtime. But, hey, it, it happens. It they drop one against Florida. Whatever. That game They're was hot. That game was 2-1 until the final minute, and then yeah. Shea Theodore fumbles the puck behind the net. What are you going to do? It, it's going to happen. It definitely looked worse on paper. Yeah. That, that, that game, when you look at the box score, you go, oh, that was a blowout. Mm, not really. Yeah. Until um, like the final minute. Yeah. 
Uh, and then Tampa, um, I, I that game probably never should have gone to overtime, mm-hmm. um, but it wouldn't have gotten to a shootout had Leonard not stood on his head in that overtime period because yeah. they looked gassed in that overtime period. Yeah. Um, Mark Stone's celebration afterwards was hysterical, yeah. by the way. I, 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 I scored, scored a, a shootout. Yeah, I scored a shootout. <laughs> I scored an expletive shootout goal. Oh, my God. That's uh, like the best expressive Mark Stone I've seen ever. Yeah, I like, mean, and I love his facial expressions, but that was amazing. There's been there's been some pretty good ones too. I mean, yeah, that one that one absolutely takes the cake. But I, I want to ask you now, kind of, what are your main takeaways from that road trip that they had? Um, I think honestly, from that road trip, I mean, we're missing like a few key pieces, and I just kind of think that despite how bad they got started on the season and despite how much we hark on them about like not making it easy on themselves and not really playing too well I kind of think that was a showing like they were like hey guys we're still here we may not be one of the top teams in the conference right now we may not be one of the top teams in the league on paper but we're skating with the best teams in the league right now and we're winning we're going to overtime we're going to a shootout we're we're taking the Florida Panthers which is probably the hottest team in hockey right now and we're only going to be down 2-1 on the road against them until the final minute, and then they're going to pot two empty net goals and make it look like a blowout. Yeah, we're going to go into Capital One Arena and we're going to score a really, or we're going to win a really gritty one nothing game. We're going to go into um, Carolina and we're going to lose in overtime. Whatever. Carolina's after we're been down, hot this year. after we're down two nothing, we yeah. get the game to overtime in the third period, and we still end up stealing a point out of that game. Yeah. yeah. So like overall, I think that whole road trip was just a character showing for the team because last week we talked like three points at the at the most just get three points and you're good but they squeezed out an extra two points and if you would have told me it was going to be against the defending stanley cup champions i would have kind of been like well it's hockey it's weird but unlikely like we'll see what happens so it's just overall like a huge showing of character and just grit that the team has like they kind of they just grinded that out and they got as many points as they can. And I mean, you look at the Florida game, like I said, it was a one goal game until the final minute. And then you look at Carolina, like you said, they come back down from two nothing force overtime. And when you look at an overtime game in hockey, it's just one shot away yeah, exactly. from winning. It's one bounce, and we a, could have been looking at a completely different road trip. It's kind of a weird turnover by Petrangelo, too, that leads to that goal. I yeah. mean, it, it it is what it is. Again, when they, when they lost that game, I was like, Hey, they still got a point. You exactly, know and it feels weird saying saying stuff like that coming yeah. from like the, the big football background that I have, and it's just like, well, you still lose, but I mean, like, whatever, it's not as bad. <laughs> yeah, I know it was <laughs> participation stuff, but anyway, um, I I completely agree with that, and I think this was a road trip the team kind of desperately needed, especially after let's call it what it was a failure of a home stand. Yeah, eight out of sixteen points in a home is not good enough. It's horrible. Then they go out on the road, and you you look at how they were playing too in those last couple of home games, and you go, this could be a long one. Mm-hmm. And then they come out of it with five points, and it's just like, okay, well. For some reason, this team's better at playing on the road than they are at home. Yeah, <laughs> I mean their home record this year is not very good. I think they're what fourteen, ten, and two or something like that. Yeah, and that's uncharacteristic. Because no, Vegas T-Mobile Arena has been always touted as like one of the hardest places to play in. Yeah, I guess ever since their like inception, and now it's just kind of like, well, we're used to it now. We're gonna come in, we're gonna beat you, and we're gonna leave. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess teams aren't going out and partying at nightclubs anymore. No, the night before <laughs> the game. Well, you know, okay. 
Oh, that that was that was fun when they were able, like what what were they their first year like something they were ridiculous in their first they year they had was, they were like undefeated at home for I think the first I, four or five games I know and then they lost to Detroit they, I know at one point they were like sixteen and two or something like yeah. that it was it was nuts it was unreal but I mean again I mean sometimes years are like that obviously NHL attendance has been down throughout the throughout the year we've both been to games this year mm-hmm. we've seen that even though they've technically been sellouts. Yeah, they have not been sellouts. Let's let's call it how it is. But I don't think that necessarily plays too much into it. I just think that I mean, a lot of their losses, too, when you look at them, they've been missing a lot of key guys out of line mm-hmm. when they were playing at home. Um, So at the end of the day, I, I don't know how much you can look into it. It's still something that they need to figure out. But going back to kind of takeaways from the road trip. um, Yeah, like like exactly like you said. It was it was a success clearly, um, and uh, like I said, I really do think that that was a kind of road trip that they needed. Leonard played fantastic on that road trip, um, which is another good thing to see. He kind of carried that over into last night's game, Tuesday night's game. Whenever we're listening, whenever this ends up de- debuting, um, you and I were talking before the game. That was a really boring game that they played. Mm-hmm. I, it, maybe it's just the fact that Buffalo's not very good. <laughs> or it's the fact that I was tired last night or something and I was just kind of like nodding off during it but I don't know that 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 game just never felt in doubt I don't yeah. know about you or anything but like it just was the only the only fun part about it I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about it actually Oh yeah so uh very interesting during the TV timeout uh I was at the game as a fan and I was just kind of chilling watching watching the uh ads go across the Nitron and then all of a sudden, I hear like a bit of a commotion. I look down right in front of me at the benches, and Max Pacioretty and I forgot his first name, but Fitzgerald for Buffalo. They were already jawing throughout the game. Uh, Pacioretty laid a big hit on uh, Jeff Skinner in the open ice, and Fitzgerald didn't really like that too much. They were jawing. Pacioretty laid another hit on Fitzgerald, and they were kind of chirping there all the way back to the bench. And then during a TV timeout, they start bumping chests and they start getting in each other's faces and talking. And then the refs just have enough and give them both 10-minute misconducts with like eight minutes left. So yeah. that was pretty funny. I mean, I think if Patrick and Fitzgerald would have just waited until the next play, dropped them and went, you're good. But now you guys look stupid because you have a 10-minute misconduct and you can't settle the score at all. Yeah, well. So that was probably the most entertaining thing all night because, I mean, Vegas scored 30 minutes in – or 30 seconds in, I'm sorry. Um, I'm pretty sure they did score 30 minutes in, Yeah, too, probably but. that, too. <laughs> but uh, they scored 30 seconds in, and they just kept playing, play, like playing fast. Um, you, you can clearly see the skill difference in the two yeah, teams. Yeah, even, even the Golden Knights missing four key starters – yeah, they're, they're, the skill difference between them and Buffalo is pretty significant. Yeah, and I mean, it was cool like to see Alex Tuck get a goal in his uh, return. Yeah, um, the tribute video for him, Eakin, and Krebs was nice, and I th- I really like the fact that they all started. That it wasn't really the normal line combination. Buffalo put out Krebs, Tuck, and Eakin to start the game, and that was pretty cool to me. And then they gave up a goal 30 seconds. Yeah. That's neither here nor <laughs> they were there. a minus one very early, but, you know, welcome back to T-Volvo Arena, you know? Yeah. So, welcome back to Vegas. It was great seeing Cody Eakin get scored on. I'm sorry, I don't have a very good opinion Dang. of him anymore after that. <laughs> uh, yeah, after that, not just the not just the penalty, but the, uh, the season following it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He got exiled to Siberia by going to Winnipeg. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> moving off of that, um, let's let's. Uh, so we're at the All Star break. All Star game is obviously here in town, so we're having a little bit of fun. 
All right, because we got so we got some players participating in this that we we know. Um, we're just gonna start off. I'm gonna ask you this question: Who do you think, when they're playing in the actual game, will have a bigger impact, Mark Stone or Alex Petrangelo? I immediately thought Mark Stone just because of how good he is in the neutral zone and getting takeaways. But I feel like since it's basically like a pickup game, yeah, and we both know how much Petrangelo likes to insert himself into the rush. I feel like Petrangelo is just going to have like a four goal showing in one of the games because he just loves to insert himself in the plan. I think he's just going to show out. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I agree with you too. Um, I, I, I'm, I really want to see stone play with, uh, Connor McDavid. Oh my I just God. think that would be fun. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's like with the all-star game, it's an exhibition game. Yeah, let I them mean, have fun. The good news is that they they t- they took it from five on five and made it three on three, which I think was a good change. Mm-hmm. Three on three hockey, even if the guys aren't really trying that hard, is still fun. Yeah, because there's a lot of breakaways. There's a lot of big, like flashy saves. Exactly, fancy shots. I mean, you play five on five with two teams that aren't really trying. It's not that interesting. Yeah, but still, I mean, the open ice, everything. It's going to be fun. Um, I'm. I, I am a lot more interested for the skills competition, though. I mean, oh, that, that's I what too. I – especially that that uh, that blackjack game that they're going to play seems like it'll be really cool as well. It's the most Vegas thing ever. Who wins the fastest skater? Connor McDavid. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's <laughs> – he's going for three and four or years. Maybe, or maybe Barzal. Who knows? Because Barzal, like, with his, like, gigantic quads, like, that's explosiveness. And he, and he did win, like, what, two years ago? He won la- uh, whenever the last All-Star game was. I didn't have one last year. I think year, that was, so, yeah, it was two years ago. I think it was 2020 when yeah. they did it before the before the world got shut down. Yeah, so I if if Barzy's in there, because we don't know yet who's in. Yeah. Um, if Barzal's in there, I'll pick Barzal, but I feel like the safest, like, crutch pick would be Connor McDavid yeah, because exactly. he's just insane. I mean, it's the same with the hardest shot if he ends up doing it. Oh, I mean, yeah. because there's nobody oh, in the he... league with a harder shot. So. I mean, Hedman's up there. He's had the hardest shot so far this season. But, I mean, Alexander Ovechkin is just unreal. Well, I mean, let, let's let's be honest. When you have a one-timer that can bend a goalie's face mask. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That was a crazy picture. Yeah, after you, you, saw... you might as well just chalk it up. Yep, Ove- Ovechkin has the hardest shot. No one's ever broken a face mask this season. So Yeah, exactly. Um, and then... I don't again, save streak's kinda hard to predict just because we don't know who's exact which goalies are exactly mm-hmm. gonna be in it. It's usually the ones playing in the games, but who knows? I'm just gonna pick Vasilevsky because he's the best damn goalie in the league. Yeah, I'll do Vasi. I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's particularly up for debate. But we're gonna move off of uh NHL stuff. We're gonna talk about the uh the big UNLV series that happened oh this my. past weekend. <clears throat> and uh it was an interesting series nonetheless. Yeah. So sixteen game win streak coming into game one. It gets snapped. Uh, that was kind of a barn burner game. Um, yeah. Neither goalie particularly played. I, I wouldn't say they played bad, um, but the offensive you saw the offensive firepower of both teams. Liberty mm-hmm. ends up taking that game seven to four. Um, that that final goal by I believe it was Fultz, the backhand flip over oh, Vinny's head. That oh was my, so yeah. gross. That was that was great. But again, um, Vinny loses his win streak. The streak gets snapped at sixteen. Again, I mean, we figured they were going to lose one of those two games. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a tough barn to go into and try to get a sweep. They respawn the second night. Wixon ends up coming into play. We'll touch on why that happened here in a little bit. Um, but he really kind of showcased why he's the number one goalie. Yeah. I, I mean, 
it's not just the saves that he makes. It's the calming presence that he has in that the ability to just kind of calm things down when there's chaos in front of him. And I, I mean that, that game looks, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you feel about this, but it looked a lot like that game in Chicago. Yeah. Low scoring, high defense, high impact. Yes. Big hits. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> yeah. High, high impact. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but yeah, that that second game they end up winning three to one. It was two to one for most. Or it was one nothing until what midway through the second period yeah. when Alec Johnson scored power play goal ends his thirteen game goal drought. Um, and then the big turning point of that game um, was the five minute major that that kid from what was his name Kalendike I think yeah got called for butt ending uh, Batusov and then. They end up getting a power play goal out of that, take yeah. the lead, and that's all she wrote. Yeah, it was uh it was a huge night, Saturday night, but I mean midnight game back on the East Coast. Yeah, with a bunch of rowdy fans um that printed out. Apparently, I don't know if you saw this on the broadcast, but did you see all the players' headshots in the corner? Yep. Apparently those were like Tinder profiles that they made. Like I, I guess like I don't know if I'm not gonna air out the guys or anything. But I'm assuming that the Liberty people took their headshots from like their Instagram or something like that, or like from Google, yeah. and like made them a Tinder profile and was making fun of them or something like that. <laughs> so I mean, that was very clever. There's another clever sign on Saturday night, I think, that um, like took a play on what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. The hockey in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. But Friday night, that was like like you said, a barn burner. Eleven goals between each team. Um, lot. I mean, UNLV they scored a few greasy goals. Um, you know, you have uh, Paxton Malone bearing a pretty gritty goal, kind at the of start. a fluky goal too. Yeah. That it just like looked like a complete misplay. Yeah, and then um, Ezekiel Estrada potted a rebound goal, and then he had a pretty big snipe. Yeah, later that, on that in the game, so that was late. unreal. I think that cut it to one. I think it yeah. was five to four at that point. And um, yeah, they kind of mounted a comeback. Uh, Alec, he scored early on in that period, too, and kind of, like, brought them within two. And then uh, Estrada put him within one. And then, uh, obviously, that between-the-legs goal was sensational. Just cut to the outside, put the puck between your legs, and then just lift it top shelf on the backhand was Yeah, that was beautiful. That was, that was really nice. Um, but scary incident that game, too. Um, Benedetto got crashed into, and... Had nicked the post, and that's why Wixen started the next night. So that was pretty scary. I wouldn't call it nicked. Yeah, well, he, he got kind of pretty pushed pretty hard. Crider, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it was really scary. Um, I'm happy that he finished the game, but he was missing from the bench the next night. So um, there's definitely something going on there. Call it what it is. It's probably a concussion. I yeah, mean, nobody but... nobody gets hit in the head. <laughs> like that and it's, it's it's definitely an upper body injury we'll pull oh yeah he's we'll an upper oh so he's an upper body injury day to day probably yeah we'll, aka like he'll be ba he'll be back in two months yeah we'll we'll uh <laughs> we'll call it with like an ea sports nhl gm mode yeah. injury update upper body injury um but whatever yeah so that, that was pretty scary but wixon came in the next night like he's i played sensational um, and I think an ironic thing about the calming presence is he can calm people down in the net, but at the end of the game, like you saw, he can also rile things up a little bit, which was hilarious. And I'll, oh I'll let you take that away. So basically, if you've never, I, I can't do what happened justice. Um, if you're out here listening to this, 
go to a hockey house pod, go to a bar stool, picked it up as yeah. well. There's a lot of outlets that picked up what go to happened. My Twitter at Dominic J. Lavoie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, there was a big fight that happened. It was basically a line brawl. Bra- um, the Anders brothers or whatever their names were. Apologies. I'm Alders. Alders. Zach Anders, and Nate Alders. Whatever. Yeah. And they basically got into it with, uh, Bradley Gallant and Max Johnson and yeah, that, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. Max was chucking some absolute bombs chucking on a nuts. dude that's dude that was probably about four or five inches taller than he was. Stood in there, won the fight. Let's be honest. Give it to Brad though, too. He was going at a guy that was like, oh yeah, probably seven inches taller. Dude rips his uh, rips his sweater <laughs> off, throws it over the glass. gave a, gave his students a souvenir. They had to give it back. Yeah, that would have sucked. I I can only imagine. Um, Nappy, the equipment manager, had like the heart attack he had because Brad just got a nameplate put on his jersey in like October. Yeah. So that would have been horrible, but that was just unreal. Like it, it, it's craziness. one of those it's one of those things that like it's it's just hard to like physically describe it when you can just go out and see the video because yeah. seriously, go watch the video. Like I, I can't describe it better than you can physically watch it. And yeah, it's, it was fun. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um I loved Wixon's reactions, kind of like shoving. Yeah. I think it was Nate Alvers who went at Gallant after, but he was shoving Nate out. And then when Gallant and Nate were going at it, he was like kind of right in there, like yelling at him. Yep. And then as like everyone was skating away, he was like mocking the crowd, pumping them up. And then um, Hunter Mozilla went over to the guy that Max fought as he was skating back, and he was just barking at him <laughs> the whole way. It was just imagine not landing amazing. a punch or something like. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I haven't spoken to him about what he said, but I'm guessing that's something along the it's lines. It's definitely something. Like, how do you start a fight and lose a fight like that at home in yeah. front of, like, all your classmates and everything? Like, yeah. it was just so much fun to watch. I mean, definitely not the look you necessarily want to have when you're trying to make a bid for NCAA. But, you know, it, when you look at the whole scrap, it wasn't really, like, UNLV's fault. I mean, like, this is an unapologetic, like, Vegas UNLV podcast. But, like, looking at it objectively, Max was just pushing and shoving. Yeah. The other Albers guy was pushing and shoving with Wixon. Gallant was coming in to protect his goalie. Right. Which is super commendable. That's exactly what you do. Right. And Mozillo, yeah, he was a third man in. But you got to be there for your teammates. And uh, Max got his helmet ripped off. And as soon as he got his helmet ripped off, like, you could tell he's like – Okay, I didn't want to get suspended, but you want to go, I'm going to I'm going to go because, you know, Max has played juniors, same with his brother Alec. They've both have probably some good miles on them when it comes to fighting. Yeah. So, you know, they're they're they were ready. He Max was definitely ready just the way he fought and it was just unreal. Candidly what I will say because we were on the broadcast, because the camera angle was at the other side of the ice, we don't have the benefit to see what was going on behind the net at the time. But every kind of replay that they showed, it did look like Liberty instigated the fight. And by the way, Liberty fans had an absolute meltdown on social media after oh, that. Oh, yeah. They were arguing with, uh, they were arguing with I think, uh, Flanders and Manning yeah. in the Hockey House <laughs> comments. And there were like. Uh, I I support religion, you know, whatever floats your boat. Yep. But I just don't really think you use Bible verses in an argument. Um, yeah, um, I think that I think that those two common threads had like back to, thirty back to something the, replies. Back to the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah Liber- Liberty fans kind of had a bit of a meltdown. Said UNLV was a dirty team. I, they're not a dirty team. They play. They're chippy. Yeah, I think chippy is the the better word for it. 
Yeah. Um, and I mean, we go back to that because we haven't talked about it and we're going to talk about it now. The reason they lost that first game. What did I say last week was going to kill them against Liberty? Penalties. What killed them? Penalties. They gave up three power play goals on six opportunities. Again, I, I, I remember talking with you about this. We've talked about it multiple times. I've talked about it on the broadcast. Really all season. Yeah, it, it's their penalty kill has been able to bail them out of those situations. But when they came up against a team that had an elite power play, they were going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. They came up against a team that has an elite power play. It killed them. Yeah. They gave up. They were 50% on the weekend killing penalties. That is atrocious. Yeah, okay. Especially when you're overall 85%. 89. Yeah. Like. Still. I mean, that, that <laughs> they're close to 90% on the year. And, I mean, that's going to drop them quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But, again, you go back to that point. It's – it's part of the identity of the team is that they play loose, they play fast. It helps them a lot, but it gets them into trouble. Mm-hmm. And you saw that happen in that game. They were taking a lot of penalties, a lot of avoidable penalties as well. Yeah, a lot of like really weird slashing, hooking, unsportsman likes, which are another the twos off spearing. I mean, yes, that was that... kind of soft, but like at the same time, like you just can't do that. Exactly. Like... You got to know the situation. You know, you're you're down by a lot. Now you're putting your team in a hole because not only do they have to kill a five minute major you're out of the game you're one of the main penalty killers yeah it's just it's not i definitely think that was a factor um because batuzov he's just so energetic like same with gone like he's so they're both so energetic and just in your face on the pk like they're just like they've they've got a very aggressive yeah they're fast and they're just in your face no matter what like i remember at the start of the season during the scarlet and gray team scrimmage during the preseason yep I, as soon as I saw Batuzov skating, I was like, he's like the Energizer Bunny. He just keeps going, 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 no matter what. And that's what makes him so effective on the PK. He's just in your face. He's just annoying. He's just like – and annoying in a good way. Like yeah. he disrupts everything, and he's just always there. And no matter what, he's going to be in on the forecheck, first man in, last man out, and he's going to be back in the, in the zone because he's fast enough. So his loss definitely – hurt the team there it definitely did but i mean you could see it from the very first power play of the game that liberty got they had unlv's number mm-hmm. i mean they were moving the even though they didn't score on that very first power play they got they were moving the puck really well yeah you know was having a really hard time clearing the zone and again they give up those they give up those three goals and i mean if you t- i had a funny tweet if you take the uh the the special teams goals oh yeah they gave up a shorthanded goal too by the way yeah um if you take the special teams goals out of the game you know if he wins that game three to two. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> if that game was played entirely at five on five, you know if he wins the game. And then you just and you saw it the, the next night that most the of, majority of the game was played five on five. I and think they you took saw what happened. I think they took only. I think they only took like what three penalties yeah, that game. Yeah, two or three. Well, before I mean, you, everything happened. Well, I mean, they had the five minute major. They had to kill off two to Alec. Which I'm sorry, that, that was a very questionable. That five was not major. a five minute major. That was two. <laughs> two two against the two against the city of Las Vegas now. Yeah. Um, but I mean nothing comes of that. So that was fortunately that, that I forgot who it was for Liberty, but takes a really dumb tripping penalty yeah. trying to keep the puck in the zone and they only have to kill three minutes of it. Um but anyway, I mean yeah, up until that point I think I think cause that that count what for no, nah, it's counts for anyway. 
not important. I'm not going to try to do math in my head. I'm not math a math. Math is very difficult. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, I think they only ended up with, like, four or so penalties that game, or four power play opportunities that game. Obviously, Liberty scored on the first one, which was kind of a fluke tip or something like that. Yeah. It's kind of a weird deflection. But, anyway, um, penalty kill, much better the second night. Obviously, they made some adjustments. Um, but, again, I, I really hope that that first night was a wake-up call to that team. Yeah, I hope They so cannot too. take those kind of penalties when they get to the national tournament and expect to win it. Yeah. Um, and you started to see them kind of get in some penalty trouble in the beginning of that second game, but it settled down as the game went on, and when they played five-on-five, five, they were the better team. Mm-hmm. And that's just what they need to do. Just hard, call back to the Chicago Classic. Just play five-on-five, five, you're good. You know, like you don't want to play down a man for the entire game. Um, and just it's just something that they need to get locked up because I believe they're the fifth most penalized team in the nation right now. It's too. pretty high. <laughs> so it, it's it's kind of interesting to look at that you can be the fifth most penalized team and be a top five ranked team. Kind of reminds me of like the old Boston Bruins from like 10 years ago. Um, the Flyers, like so those bruising teams that were really, really good at the same time. But then again, like friday night showed like you're gonna run into those teams that are really good and you're gonna run into those teams that are gonna make you pay so we'll see what happens at nationals i mean uh looking distantly ahead for a second they don't have another high-ranked opponent left i don't believe gcu's ranked no asu is like ASU's, 24th yeah and, asu's the only ranked team they have left yeah and oregon is a d2 team exactly. they're gonna be d1 next year but they're a d2 team this yeah. season so there's Shocking. not like, yeah, there's not a, a bunch of tests left, but there's certainly, you know, like my favorite quote probably all season, Jared Erickson in December said, you have to run the league from the top to the bottom. So regardless, they got to play and get themselves ready for national. It is a good, at least in my eyes, it's a good opportunity for them to shore their game up. Yeah. And I'm specifically talking about the thing we were just talking about. Yeah. <laughs> They've got to find a way to not take five, six penalties a game they they need to start getting down to one, two, three, those kind of areas, those kind of more average where they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously penalties are going to happen in a game. That's just the way it is. Okay, but the stuff after the whistle, those are the big killers. The and I remember it happened in the game against ASU and I believe or not ASU against U of A and I believe it ended up leading to a goal when Batusov got called for a trip and then gets called for a. Uh, unsportsmanlike immediately after that there's a four minute power play yeah. right there those are things that they they just can't do yeah and I, I get it this team is full of they're full of a lot of energy they got a lot of pride sometimes pride leads to your downfall though mm-hmm. pride before the fall yep so final thing we're going to talk about and we've we've kind of touched on it a little bit but i want us to kind of get our our thoughts out there again and you're going to start us off kind of like what we did with the golden knights give me your main takeaways from this past weekend um definitely Playing five on five, like we've touched on, is important. Five on five, this is probably the top three team in the in the entire nation. I yeah. won't say really who's there because I mean they've played most of the top twenty five teams in the nation the only, this year. The but, only team we haven't seen them play is uh, Lindenwood. Yeah, and Lindenwood is independent. They've played I think twelve games this season. They're eleven and zero or twelve and zero or something like that. So. That's going to be interesting to kind of put them, but they beat Minnesota State. They beat Liberty twice now. They've beaten ASU twice. They've beaten all kinds of teams. So playing five on five is definitely key if uh, they want to win nationals, just kind of looking super distant. 
And I definitely think that the road ahead is going to be kind of tough um, because, you know, there's some guys out with injury and going into nationals with guys being out in it, like with injuries and with these kind of trap games coming up, it's definitely going to be a bit of a tricky road. But if they just stick to it and to quote Greener and Echo Ham, if they stick to their systems, they're good. So I, I think my biggest takeaway from this past weekend really comes from the second game. When they play like they did in that second game, that team is arguably unbeatable. Mm-hmm. They've got a brick wall in net. They've got a great defensive structure, and they can score with the best teams in the league. Yeah. Okay, so to if they are able to play that game against the top-end teams, which we've seen them do now, they've got a really good shot at winning the national tournament. 100%. I'm not going to sit here and try to predict that it's going to happen. That's a long tournament. It's a ways away from now. We don't know what's going to happen. But, again, if they can play like that, they'll beat anybody in this conference or in this division, whatever, ACHA. Thing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then my other one, again, I talked about it again. This team cannot take those kinds of penalties against the top against the top end teams and expect to win games. Mm-hmm. And it finally caught up to them. Yeah. And I'm very thankful that it did. I'm very thankful they were not able to come back and win that game. Yeah. Because they needed that kind of game to where they play like that and then they end up losing because of it. Again, you never want that to kind of be your teaching lesson, but sometimes when you're on a big win streak, you think you're unbeatable, you come in, you don't play your best game, and you get beat, and it shows you maybe you're not invincible yeah, like you thought. Yeah, you're touchable. Exactly, and then that's that's the big thing. I And I think it was good for them, too, to be able to go in and get, an, get a win in Liberty because when they played another top-end team, UCO, earlier in the season, they got swept out of the barn. Mm-hmm. And it, it was one of those things where I know people were around there thinking, going, well, I mean, they're good at home, but they can't win on the road. Or they can't beat top-end teams on the road. Yeah. Now they've beaten a top-end team on the road. So, obviously, I mean, they don't get a sweep of it, whatever, but I didn't think anybody thought they were going to sweep it. No. All right, well, we're, we're, uh, we're a little bit over time here, so that's going to uh, conclude it for this week's episode. Join us next week when we uh, will be previewing kind of – we will be previewing the upcoming ASU series – I'm going to be at the game, so, you know, it's going to be fun. We'll have some actual, like, physical commentary from that. But anyway, I'm Matt Atencio. I'm Dominic Lavoie. Be sure to check out all of written work at rebelreportunlv.com for your updates on the latest and greatest news around Southern Nevada, and we'll see you on the next one.